that's a lot for a, a vocalist. And uh, so, you know, I'll do 10 songs and I don't think I'm a particularly good singer. So I'll sing songs that are, you know, made famous by women because the expectations are so low, right? So it's like, if this guy's going to sing Dolly Parton, it can't be bad because, I mean, what's my expectations? Coming directly from the horseshoe crab capital of the world, get a leg up and get ready for the hydrant. And now, a man that TSA has deemed unsafe to travel by Segway, your host, Jim Cooper. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Hydrant. Ray Hartgen is with me today. Ray, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Jim, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Looking forward to, to chatting with you today. I am too, because I, I was looking at your background, and we have a lot in common, if not specifically, structurally, and likes and dislikes. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Just to introduce Ray a little bit, he is a writer, he's a musician, he's a songwriter, he's done a little bit of everything in his career, which I can relate to. He's been in IT, he's done investment banking and pharmaceuticals, and it's just he's, you know, our careers look look fairly similar. Um, he's worked with SaaS software, and I've had my run-ins with SaaS. It's <laughs> not my fault. It's not my fault here. <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, when was when was that? Because I was in IT for a long time, and we were doing some as a contractor. We were doing some work for a major telecom company, and they wanted a new database, and we were comparing the Oracle product at the time with the SaaS product at the time, and it was like. We're going to go with Oracle because I don't understand this software at all. So it's that's always a good solution, too. Go with the stuff you understand. Right. The stuff you don't understand tends to get you in a bit of difficulty. Right. And they were obviously disappointed, but it's like the learning curve on this is so steep. I can't even do that to these people. Ray is also a writer, as I am. His first book, Immaculate, How the Steelers Saved Pittsburgh. Now, I have in-laws in Pittsburgh who are Steelers fans. I'm not sure that they would agree with you that the Steelers saved Pittsburgh, you know, especially in the past couple of years. But be that as it may, what brought that on? What was the impetus behind doing this book? And so everyone knows, what does the book deal with? Yeah, that's a, a good question. And, and hopefully it's not too long of a story for your audience. Uh, I am not a Yinzer. I am not from Pittsburgh. Uh, and in fact, uh, I, I'm a born Texan. And I think it's important in this context uh, is that as a, uh, a, a kid born in Houston in 1964, I was a uh, Dallas Cowboys fan growing up. And the Pittsburgh Steelers were like gum on my shoes uh, for most of my childhood. Uh, two Super Bowl um, losses to them. Uh, being a Texan, a good Texan, my second favorite team is the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers could never get past the Steelers in the AFC Central. Uh, lost two playoff games. And then my third favorite team is well, my well, favorite team. Oh, I, I got to interrupt you. And I, huh? this is probably not good protocol, but I lived in Houston for a year. And one of the years was the year they lost the playoff to Pittsburgh in that, in that highly contested referee call. Yeah, Mike Rinfro in the end zone. Right. Touchdown or not, right? Right. <laughs> and my wife and I were driving around, and we were, drove down by the Astrodome. This is about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we knew that the Oilers were coming home that day. 
So it's like, well, let's hang out at the and see what happens and see if there's a crowd that comes up. Well, we stood there for probably five hours and we were the first in line and there were hundreds and hundreds of people that had shown up and they finally opened the doors about eight o'clock that night to let everyone into the Astrodome to wish the Steelers, oh, sorry, wish the Oilers, you know, cheer them on. And we sat down and we were like, okay, we got in. Let's go home. We've had enough of this. <laughs> and we went home and actually watched it on TV like hours later because they didn't show up until 11 o'clock that night. Yeah. So it's, I, I, I understand and relate to the Oilers thing. So Yeah, and, you know, and, and the Steelers were such a, a, a dynasty at that point in time. You know, I, I want to say my, my third favorite team was my mama's favorite team. Uh, she liked Kenny Stabler, like everyone's mom liked Kenny Stabler. And so uh, so the, the Oakland Raiders were my third favorite team. And, uh, and of course, the Steelers beat them three times in the playoffs. So, you know, it's uh, if, the, if like the 12-year-old Ray knew that the you know, 50-something-year-old Ray was going to write a book about the Pittsburgh Steelers, he'd be outraged. Um, so, it, you know, it, it wasn't my idea. Uh, I have a co-author on the book. Uh, his name is Tom Olenek, and he is the Yinzer. He's the native Pittsburgh a fan. He's a, a biotech exec, but uh, not much of a writer. But he's had this idea, you know, and the, and the idea that he's been he had percolated around in his head for for decades, probably about twenty five years, was that, you know, uh, Pittsburgh had a, had years, a century plus of prosperity built around the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, for years you know, it was either the Steelers or the Cowboys, and that's the only two teams that that ever won anything. Yeah, from from a football perspective, I'm right. talking about from a city perspective. Okay. Over a, over a century of prosperity uh, based on the steel industry. Right. Uh, but in the in the mid '70s, they had to go through a very painful deindustrialization transformation, uh, just like all of its Rust Belt cousins, like Detroit, uh, Cleveland, uh, Akron, Gary, Indiana, Buffalo, etc. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of it, uh, Pittsburgh came out smelling a bit like a rose. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh is renowned around the world as a leader in healthcare, medical research, uh, technology, robotics, academia, uh, whereas these other cities have still kind of struggled to find their place in this new economy. And so, you know, Tom's uh, thesis all along was like, you know, you know, when Pittsburgh was down in the dumps when they needed when they were struggling as a community, you know, they could look to what was previously kind of an unlikely place for heroes. You know, prior to 1972, the Steelers were mediocre is a compliment. They were really kind of horrible for the 40 years of their existence. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pittsburgh had this great football team kind of built in the mirror image of, uh, of uh, you know, Pittsburgh steel workers, you know, hardworking, you know, uh, you know gritty, uh, determined, bring your lunch pail to work type of uh, uh, community and a team. And so, you know, his, his uh, thesis all along was that, you know, when the, when the community needed its heroes, it, it turned to the, its, uh, its football team uh, to guide it through this, uh, this deindustrialization transformation. So, so right. that's the premise of the book. It, the book deals with, you know, the history of the NFL, the history of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the history of uh, Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. And we, we kind of weave it a, a, around. And, and at the beginning of the book, the, the inflection point is the Immaculate Reception game, uh, December 23rd, uh, 1972. And so that's kind of the glue that holds the first part of the book together. And then the, the Steelers, you know, uh, four Super Bowl victories in six years uh, through the 70s and, and 1980, uh, uh, you know, just helps uh, uh, put it all together. But it's, it's a book we're really proud of. Uh, and it's a book that, you know, kind of ties into my second uh, a book in a way. And that, 
you know, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. In, yeah, I wanted uh, March. to talk, definitely talk about that. So, yeah. And, yeah. And what Ray's talking about is he has another book that's coming out from Morgan James Publishing, Me, Myself, and My Multiple Myeloma. So let's talk about that some more. Yeah. So I was, I was diagnosed in March of 2019 with multiple myeloma. And, and for your listeners, who might not be aware of it. I wasn't aware of it until I got diagnosed with it. Uh, multiple myeloma is a blood cancer. It's uh, incurable blood cancer, but a treatable uh, blood cancer. And, uh, you know, it, it, being uh, diagnosed with cancer, you know, it, it, it changed uh, and actually added a lot to my life. Uh, you know, but one of the things that, uh, you know, being a musician, I'm, I'm always in the lookout for is a good motto to put in the back of a band T-shirt. And, uh, and, you know, one of those models that, you know, I kind of adopted after uh, being diagnosed with cancer is, you know, if not now, when? You know, and as Tom would talk about uh, his books, like, man, this would make a great idea for a book. Don't you think? Don't you think? I mean, I heard it for, you know, 15 years. His family heard about it for 25 years. You know, I just looked at him and said, hey, Tom, you know, if not now, when? You know, I, let's get started on the book. And if it ever should veer off of your vision, we'll stop. But let's see what we can do. And the next thing you know, a year and a half later, we have a book uh, and it's out. Uh, so, uh, so you know, that's, that's the, uh, the immaculate uh, How the Steelers Save Pittsburgh book. You know, the, the me, myself and my multiple myeloma book, uh, you know, I, I wrote that as a resource for, for cancer patients, um, for their caregivers, uh, which I know that you have been, Jim, uh, and for allies. And, uh, you know, the, the net writers proceeds of that book are being donated to the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. You know, so I, I very much wanted to put that book out there as a, you know, you know, by the community, for the community uh, uh, type of book. Uh, when I first got diagnosed, I. I was fortunate enough to participate in a number of videos, a number of media interviews uh, and the like. And so people reached out to me via social media, uh, ordinarily newly diagnosed patients, asking me questions. So I thought, you know, what's a way that I could just, you know, make, make a one to many uh, type of thing, maybe answer some questions ahead of time. But, and, and, the, and the book seemed like a really good idea. So, again, if not now, when? <laughs> you know, so uh, I wrote that out and, uh, and hopefully it will be a, a well received and, and a resource for the community. I just had a thought, and you may tell me to go to hell, but that you know, it's like you and I should probably bundle our books together because yours talks to the cancer patients and mine talks to the caregivers. So we ought to do like, hey, here's here's, here's the cancer package that you need. We should definitely uh, bundle together. Uh, maybe a BOGO effort, a buy one get one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and the caregiver, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Uh, you know, in, in my support groups, I've been, uh, I, I'm, you know, ha there's patients in the support group, but they've also been caregivers as well. Mm. And to the person, they say that the caregiver uh, role is tougher uh, and it's uh, it's uh, harder to do. And um, and it's uh, something that I don't think we pay attention to. I know I didn't in my little bubble prior to, to being diagnosed. Uh, with, a, with a serious uh, chronic illness, uh, you know, and we, we tend not to you know, understand what patients go through, but, you know, even less so uh, what caregivers go through. And right. it is a lot. Yeah. I mean, with our, you know, I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on, you know, healthcare in the United States is complicated when you start to use it. You know, complicated is a nice word. Yeah. When you're 24, <laughs> it's not very complicated at all. You're not even going to the doctor. Right. But, you know, we get we get snail mail uh, every day. We're inundated with uh, I mean, there's payers, there's providers, uh, there's pharmaceutical companies. Uh, yep. We're just bombarded. And, you know, thankfully, um, my wife, Lori, uh, you know, takes care of a lot of that and helps me out tremendously. I can't imagine going through something like this alone. So uh, caregivers out there. 
uh, hats off to you. Difficult job and uh, I respect, uh, respect and great. And, and I had no idea what that entailed either until you're, until we were in it. And at the time we went in it, which was around 2014, uh, caregivers were just starting to get some notice and people were looking and going, you know what, this group is fighting the fight on a different level. And, uh, so I was, I was very observant and aware of what was going on and, you know, I, I've, I felt very, because our experience was so good with where we were, I felt the need to give back and join their caregiver support group. And, and that's where this book came from, from just like, I, I want to help other people get through this because I certainly didn't know. And it's, and as you said, it ain't easy. No, it's, it's not easy at all. It's uh, it, it, extraordinarily difficult. I like to, you know, when I tell people about it, you know, they're like a bit confused. Like, you know, what do you mean? You know, what's the, you know, the difficulty of the caregiver? You know, just from a mental perspective, you know, I remember, you know, my wife uh, giving birth, you know, and you, uh, you know, seeing someone that you love going through something that made her very uncomfortable. Right. You know, for her, she knew where she was on her spectrum of, what she could take and what she couldn't take. But me as this panicked spouse running around, what's going on? You know, and, and I think there's parallels, you know, you know, going through chemotherapy treatment and the like, you know, I, I, I know how I felt, but she know how I, she knew how I looked, uh, but she right. didn't know how I, she didn't know how I felt. Uh, and you know, it's uh, very difficult to emotionally, uh, you know, mentally uh, on the caregiver. There's a, there's a lot to, to, to unpack there. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, a lot of respect to you and, and to others that, uh, you know, take care of their loved ones. It's a wild journey. And, and we were one of the absolute lucky ones. And I just wanted to be able to, to talk about that and give that back to people. So, uh, my hat's off to you and your wife for, uh, doing that together. Cause I agree with you. I can't imagine a, I can't imagine going through this alone. B, when the pandemic hit, a lot of people went through it alone, and I, that just blows my mind. And the other side of that that just changed my perspective completely was watching all the parents go through it with their kids being diagnosed. And that was just a whole nother level of courage and determination that I'd never seen before. And yeah, if you if you ever need to, uh, if you ever need a, a pick me up, uh, like, you know, the, you know, the the true meaning of the, the the combative human spirit. Check out St. Jude Children's Hospital. Yes, and uh, the videos that they show. I mean, those people are heroes of mine. The children, their families, uh, and the uh, and the caregivers there. Uh, and uh, you know, if you ever need a pick me up, if you're like, hey, I, there's things I can't do, uh, these people will show you that you can do it as a, a human. That human spirit uh, is through. And uh, you know, th they're certainly my heroes. All all of those people associate with that. And, you know, when I was first diagnosed uh, with uh, with cancer, a lot of people came out of the, the woodwork and just yes. you know, asked me, like, you know, what do you what do you need? You know, how can yes. I help you? And at the time, I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really need any help. Thank you. You know, uh, I did realize over time that you know, a, a, a lot of times people aren't offering help so much for you. It's they also offer it for them. I mean, we there's a lot of people out there that need a sense of control, right? And if they have a, a someone that they care about facing a serious illness. Now, I might not need a ride uh, to, to uh, therapy. I, I might not need uh, a meal prepared for me, but they feel as though they need to give me a ride to treatment or right. they need to do that, right? So, you know, understanding to be gracious and, and accepting uh, a help. But, 
you know, after a while, I began to, you know, as I did, you know, more and more public speaking, more and more fundraising uh, about uh, multiple myeloma and cancer in general. You know, I came up with a very well-rehearsed list of things that you can do to me. And I just want to share them very quickly with uh, with your listeners. One is go see your doctor. Uh, I was, uh, I, multiple myeloma snuck up on me. I, I was discovered, uh, my, my diagnosis was, you know, came about through an anemic blood value. Uh, first time ever uh, through my blood work that I uh, that something was out of whack. Uh, I was doing great in all my exercise metrics. I'm a, a road cyclist and uh, at 54 years old, as I was working up toward a diagnosis, my metrics in the bicycle were every bit as good as they'd been the previous five years before that. They weren't the same as when I was 40 or 35, but every bit as good as I was 50. And you know, it turned out 90% of my bone marrow was cancerous. Uh, so, it's, you know, uh, I was lucky. You know, most multiple myeloma patients, or a lot of them, get diagnosed with unexplained bone fractures. That, uh, you know, their bone mm. marrow is uh, cancerous. It seeps into the bones. It weakens the bones. And then they, you know, get a compression fracture or two in their vertebrae or, or something like that. I was lucky. And I, 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 mine was diagnosed uh, before that. But still, 90% of my bone marrow is cancerous. Uh, number two thing that you can do is just mitigate your risks and you all know what they are. I call them the twos. Uh, you drink too much, uh, you, you know, eat too much red meat, you eat too few vegetables, you, you smoke too much, you exercise too little, etc. cetera. Uh, you go, I'm not telling you not to live your life, but uh, just mitigate the risk factors that you're comfortable with. Number three, we talked a little bit about it already. That is, if you know anybody going through a serious health issue alone, reach out and help. Uh, a lot of times you might be hesitant to do so because you don't know what to say. Start there. Just fess up. Jim, I don't know what to say, but I love you. I care for you. And I'm hoping we can just work our way through this difficult conversation to, to see how I can best support you. And 90 percent uh, of my experience working with other caregivers, because I was I was in that position where they could call me after we were through our processes. They were going through it. And just to 90 percent of that is just listening. Yeah. Being a patient or a caregiver, there's these. You know, for me, I look at things from a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual perspective. And it's sort of like, you know, going back to your uh, musician roots, uh, Jim, sort of like setting those levels, right? You know, on a, on a, on a, like a recording panel or, or on your receiver or what have you. Uh, and, you know, and if and one of them's high, you know, and, and others are low, how, you know, how can I use like, you know, my physical strength to, to make, make me feel better mentally? And the mental challenges, you know, right? Now, it's two unbelievable. Weeks after, yeah. Two weeks after I was diagnosed, I was just exhausted. And I wasn't sure. physically exhausted. It was mentally exhausted because, you know, the way that I'm kind of hardwired, like it's like fight night. All right. It's game day. It's fight <laughs> night. Let's, we're, we're, I'm coming for you, cancer. But, you know, when you have a chronic, you know, incurable illness, every night is fight night. Yep. It's not, it's not, you know, every six weeks or whatever. And, and it just wore me out. I had to readjust my approach to cancer. And, and, you know, that mental aspect was actually having a, you know, impact on me, uh, you know, physically, you know, and so you sure. know, what can I do and adjust my workouts and things like that to, to put all those things level up. And the last thing, the fourth thing I'd just like to tell people is, you know, find your passion, find your cause. We are all in this together. Uh, it takes a village and you will know what your passion is, is when something speaks to you and goes, I can get behind that. Like St. Jude Children's Hospital, for example, right. and just say, you know what? Donate your time, donate your money, donate both. Uh, uh, because like I said, we all get something <laughs> and, uh, you know, right. we're all this together. And, uh, so, you know, let's, let's try to, no, that's, that's, that's a great list. And I kind of took the same approach in my book was like, here's the different caregiver tips that, you know, that you can take a look at and that, that might help you through your journey. So I, I think that's the fact that you've put this together 
uh, from the cancer side in, into the book. Once again, for everyone, it's me, myself, and my multiple myeloma. Is it out or is it coming out this year? It's uh, it's coming out. It's available for pre-order right now. Uh, okay. I will have books in hand uh, available to sell through rayharching.com uh, sometime in January. Um, okay. I'm not exactly sure when. The ebook will come out in March, uh, which is Multiple Myeloma Month. Uh, and then uh, the books will be in bookstores nationwide uh, in, uh, I think I think it drops July 16th. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I wish you nothing but good luck with that. Thank you so much. I'll be sure to send a, uh, send a, a copy of the book. I have a, uh, the oh. interior galley proof of it. I'll send it to you, Jim. And, that would uh, be awesome. Be interested in what you think about it. And I can send you a copy of mine and, and we can like trade books. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you up on my site uh, as a, a resource for... Uh, I, that would be outstanding. I would be very grateful. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, and, and of course, add your book to my, my bookshop.org <laughs> uh, bookstore. So, right. Yeah, spread the good word. I want to touch on one thing before we get into some of the craziness. And, and Ray has mentioned this a couple of times, that he is a musician. He tours and records, and I love the name of your acoustic band, the Chronic Padres. What a great name! Thanks. I can't take credit for it. That's my bandmate Scott Sorocek. Uh, and people have asked me about it, like, hey, "Where did it come from?" I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, he has three daughters. I have a daughter and a son, so we are Padres. Uh, and maybe it's Chronic. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I have no idea if there's a cannabis reference in there or not. Uh, it's Scott's a kind of coy with the whole thing. It's a great <laughs> band name. And it's, <laughs> do, are you still touring with him? You're doing a lot of touring or is this kind of taking kind of yeah, a backseat? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's taking a bit of a backseat this year. Uh, uh, Scotty uh, moved to Florida to escape income tax <laughs> from the state of California. <laughs> and well, we've been limited uh, to gigging this summer. We did uh, two uh, here in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, before the pandemic, we were, uh, you know, 25, 30 appearance. Uh, uh, That's cool. Uh, band a year. Uh, we're, we're, you know, a two-person per, two acoustic band, and, you know, we're made for uh, wineries and, and breweries. Right. Playing out in the patio. And that's that's part of, you know, came it came about because of my age. You know, I, it, the days of loading up tons of gear, you know, a giant Marshall stack and all your guitars and, you know, doing a massive setup with a drummer who's got all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, don't, don't talk to me about setup because I'm the drummer and lugging that kit yeah. all over hell and gone. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and you know, the singer's not going to help you. No. Uh, so, you know, but the guitar player will help you because I, I feel a little bit because I can lug right. around amps and stuff. And also, you know, you start at nine o'clock at night, you're done at midnight, one o'clock, man. Tired. I was like, you know, wouldn't it be good to be a happy hour band and uh, get home at <laughs> get home at seven thirty or eight o'clock? So that's I went to Scott and said, Scott, let's you know, let's bail on having a drummer and all that equipment, a bass player, just two acoustic guitars, do some harmonies, uh, you know, and uh, and you know, play those songs that people like, but don't expect a couple of dudes to play right. with acoustic guitar. So you know, taking a lot of classic rock songs and, and working them down. I. I have to give them a break and sing in every once in a while. You know, we, we typically rip through about 40 songs and wow, uh, that's a lot for a, a vocalist. And uh, so, you know, I'll do 10 songs and I don't think I'm a particularly good singer. So I'll sing songs uh, that are, you know, made famous by women because the expectations are so low. right? <laughs> so it's like, if this guy's going to sing Dolly Parton, Jolene, for example, 
<laughs> it can't be bad because, I mean, what's my expectations? Uh, and if everybody's drinking, they're not going to care anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, the pandemic has, you know, while the pandemic, you know, uh, cut us down on the amount of appearances that we made. It actually uh, was a boon for songwriting, right? You oh, know, yeah. So um, we, we tend not to play a lot of originals because, you know, when people are out drinking beer or drinking wine, they, they don't want to hear you know our crappy music. They'd rather hear somebody else's music, uh, right? And right. Uh, something that they're familiar with. Uh, but you know, writing, uh, writing uh, during the pandemic, even now, um, we we did release uh, a Chronic Padre song that's on all streaming platforms. Cool. Uh, I, I forget what it's called. I think it's called Your Sacrifice. Uh, no, is it? Yeah, Your, Your Sacrifice. Uh, I also uh, re released a, a a solo song during the pandemic, uh, and I've got a we've got a whole bunch of, uh, of music ready to record. But as you know. Uh, you know, producing it is a little bit different than getting it all ready. So we're just uh, trying to put our funding together and, and get in the studio uh, an EP for me and, uh, and probably an EP for the band as well. So looking forward to that. that that'll be something that we'll be, that we'll be doing this year. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to cover the bar tab with stuff people know that rather than the original stuff, because <laughs> I've been an original band. And when you go to the bar and there's three people there because you couldn't get anyone there, it's like they're like, yeah, we're not having you back. So. Yeah, and it's, it's you know that's the, the key to, to playing. Uh, you know, what, what what difference does the band make at the till? Right. <laughs> that's so bottom if, uh, line. If you if you sold a thousand dollars of beer, then that band is worth a thousand dollars. Yeah. And if uh, if you if you only sold a you know additional two hundred dollars, then the band's only worth two hundred. Two hundred bucks. So yeah. We're always uh, liking to keep people happy, keep them there, <laughs> uh, keep them drinking. Cool. All right, let's let's delve into some of these wacky questions and see what. Uh, See what you come up with. I love wackiness, man. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> well, let's, me, stay, let's stay with music to start with. What song should play every time you walk into a room? I, I have a song. It's uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. Ugh. Great song. I've always wanted to, you know, when I first heard that song, I was like, if I ever become a professional wrestler, that's my walking <laughs> song. And, and, you know, I... Um, for years and years and years, I was a, a public relations professional at, at Sony Electronics. And I was at uh, a uh, at a party at a house in uh, we called it the Sony House of Rock in uh, Santa Monica, I think it was the, the city. And John Legend was uh, going to do a little piano thing there, and I was opening for John Legend, uh, opening wow. in the way that I was introducing John Legend. I wasn't playing, uh, and you know the, the event manager comes up to me and says, you know, hey, do you have like walking music? And it's like. Actually, I do. I've been saving this for 20 years. <laughs> ACDC's Thunderstruck. And so uh, I, I'm waiting for him to, to play. And so I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm so excited. All of a sudden, I get bumped into the behind. I turn around, and there's John Legend. I'm supposed to be on stage already. The, the event fans just like, dude, you got, you got to get up there and introduce. I'm like, oh, man. And so my, my chance to be introduced with, with, uh, oh. with Thunderstruck, so close. But I'm ready for it next time around. Next time it happens. <laughs> What Looney Tunes character best represents you? Wile E. Coyote. Okay, that's an interesting <laughs> choice. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I try a lot of different things. Um, not always successful, but right. uh, <laughs> persistent and, and perseveres through it. Right. So I'm not always out trying to, uh, you know, use the uh, use the Roadrunner as a, a metaphor. Uh, very metric driven, very goal driven. Like to, you know, have a carrot dangling out in right. front of me, and uh, I'm, I'm out there trying to, to get the, the road runner and uh, I won't give up uh, giving up uh, 
an old roommate of mine used to love, you know, kind of trite coaching cliches. And uh, he said, you know, winners never quit and quitters never win. Uh, so Wiley Coyote never quits. <laughs> it's a great perspective. It's an absolutely great perspective. What, uh, while you're asking questions, Jim, what, what's your, what's your Looney Tune? My hero is Daffy Duck. I mean, just an early Daffy Duck, not the late Chuck Jones Daffy Duck, but the early Daffy Duck, just because it's like, do whatever you want and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and if you piss Helmer Fudd off, too bad. <laughs> Can't understand him anyway. So, no, uh, yeah. it doesn't matter. You can say anything and make any sound, and, and that's what people expect. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what movie makes you laugh no matter how many times you've seen it? Uh, Night Shift. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's, sure. Uh, Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton, uh, maybe about 1983. Michael Keaton's performance as Billy Blaze is just so <laughs> over the top and cool. Yeah. yeah. I just love that, you know, driving the, the hearse, which he's using as a uh, right. as a limousine. And right. you know, the kids in the back of the prom is like, hey, kid, you like music? And it's like, yeah. So he just, dah, dah, dah. <laughs> <laughs> not using the radio, just making his own. Uh, that, is, that is a great movie. I, it's one of my favorite movies. So that's, I love that one. What pizza topping best represents you? Pepperoni. Oh, represents me. Yeah, that's yeah, your favorite. What I represents you? Favorite pizza topping. It's certainly not pineapple, either for taste or for representation. So we'll, we'll do a process of elimination, but maybe pepperoncinis. Ooh. <laughs> pepperoncinis, a nice little addition to a pizza, uh, but you can probably get too much of it. Right. <laughs> so uh, so maybe, maybe raise... Uh, Good to have around for a little while, but uh, let's not have a move in, yeah, right? Gotcha. I understand. What breed of dog would you be? Uh, I'm wanting to say St. Bernard, but uh, be too hot in the summertime. Uh, but I, I, I want to be the dog that uh, I used to have a couple of boxers, and uh, mm. one of them, Max. Uh, you know, boxer's pretty big dog. Max is probably about 60 pounds, but he would get up on the couch and just, like, look at me. You know, I tried to ignore him. I was like, no, don't, don't. And then he would just... I'd get up and move and he would take my spot. So I, I want to be a big dog, a big dog that gets up to, you know, goes up to you, Jim, on the couch. And it's like, hey, do you mind scooting over? In fact, would you mind moving to the other side so I can so I can get the warm spot? So let's go with a nice big one, a, a St. Bernard. Yeah, the bull terriers do the same, same thing. We've had a, a series of them. We had a bull terrier boxer for a while. But the one we have now is a bull terrier black lab. It does the same thing. Will stand at my feet looking at me. He's like, get off the sofa. That's my spot. <laughs> You're my spot. Man. You're my hey, spot, man. man. Who's, who's paying for everything around here? I don't care. I don't care. That's my spot. Get out. <laughs> oh, my God. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, am I allowed to say Absolutely. It? On this show, yeah, anything. I probably say the F word uh, a lot with, uh, and, you know, a lot of times it's an adjective. Like, can you believe that fucking guy <laughs> or something like that? You know, uh, <laughs> as as one of my guests early on said, you can have an entire conversation using just that word. It's so yeah. versatile and useful. It's a it's a it can use a lot of things. I'm not so sure it could be an adverb, but uh, no, we can work on like it. A, a fucking fuckingly, yeah, recipe I or something. Yeah, I, I know, something. never know. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie about your life? I've been told that I look like Judge Reinhold. Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, and, and I've also been told that I look like Phil Mickelson, the golfer. But I don't think Phil's probably a very good uh, yeah. actor. Um, so, yeah, let's go with... Uh, with Judge Reinhold? Let's go with Judge Reinhold for looks. But the person I would want to play me is Matthew McConaughey. I, oh. I, got, a, I got a crush on Matthew McConaughey. You know, he's just... Uh, 
he just seems like a cool guy I'd want to hang out with. He does. <laughs> so he does very much so. Okay, let's go into an either or thing. Well, I'll give you two things, and you just tell me which one your pre- what your preference is on them. I, I love it. Bananas or watermelon? Bananas. Flintstones or the Jetsons? Flintstones. Passenger or driver? Driver. No surprise there. Toilet paper over or under? Under. Bewitched or I dream of genie? Oh. <laughs> Bewitched is Elizabeth Montgomery, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but you can't go wrong with either one of those. Classic beauties, both of them. But I, I like Bewitched. Uh, yeah, she, she got my attention as a youngster growing up, yep. for sure. Absolutely. Two Reese's cups or half gallon of ice cream? <laughs> I would go for two Reese's cups because uh, I just don't know if I, I would feel so guilty after a whole half gallon of ice cream. <laughs> I probably should change that to like a pint of ice cream just because a half gallon's a lot of ice cream. So. Uh, yeah, but I, I do love ice cream. I would, I would jump for that first, but right. uh, I, I would feel very, my doctor would not be happy. <laughs> Beatles or Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. Amusement park or day at the beach? Beach. Live concert or studio album? Live concert. Love live music. All right, let's let's shift gears. Who's your uh, who's your favorite live performer, Jim? Wow. Um, I'm just cycling through all the the bands that I've seen. The band I saw the most of and went to most of was Yes, with Chicago being a close second. But I think the best concert I ever saw is kind of a tie. One would be Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes because they put on such a dynamite show. And the other one was one I saw recently, which was the Dandy Warhols, which huh. also put on a great show. That was, that was fun. So I want, to give, I want to give you and all your listeners a recommendation. Okay. And that is to go see, if, if your favorite band ever plays The Sphere in Las Vegas, go to The Sphere. And it's not so much for the visuals, which are incredible inside. Um, I, I've seen you two a, a number of times. I've, I've probably seen them eight times. I've seen them more times than any band. And, and I saw them in August there. And what I really enjoyed about that uh, performance is, first of all, unlike a typical U2 show, very small stage, and they're close together and kind of right. riffing off of each other. But the acoustics in that sphere are incredible. Mm. Uh, there's tens of thousands of speakers, I understand. You can't I see a single one of them. But as you know, you know, typically at most venues, you have your PA in the front. And to get it into the back, you just have to crank it really loud. Right? And so there's sound distortion and uh, the, the, just the sheer volume up front. That was the first concert uh, when I went to the, see you two at the Sphere that I did not in about a decade that I didn't wear earplugs because uh, I didn't hmm. have to. It wasn't uh, so loud because there's speakers everywhere. There's a, it's a surround sound type of thing. So you don't have to have it so loud. The acoustics are just fantastic and it's, it's really built like an old opera house from in europe it's just giant i mean there's eighteen thousand seats inside uh but definitely uh it's worth the worth the trip to go see your favorite band if your favorite band ever plays the sphere i'd highly recommend it. what superpower would you rather have invisibility or shape-shifting i wish you had said flying because i'd really like to fly uh but, hold on uh, to that thought hold on to that thought <laughs> okay let me go invisible okay well, like, well, you know, that, that fly in the wall conversation, be, you know, just be so great. Just kind of sneak in. And, hmm, all right. there's, there's more possibility for mischief with invisibility than shape-shifting. Yeah. So, well, and since you brought it up, and we already know the answer, but which would you rather do, be able to breathe underwater or fly? I think fly. Yeah. 
that'd, that'd be super cool. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather give up your cell phone for a month or bathing for a month? <laughs> Stumped him. <laughs> wow. When you say you do ask a lot of bizarre questions, uh, uh, that's, I'd, I'd rather give up my cell phone for a month. I, could, I, I can go without my phone. Yeah. yeah okay. I could probably go without bathing too, uh, but, uh, but not around other people. I was going to say, can I ask your wife that question? (laughs) Yeah, if I was stuck on some deserted island by myself. (laughs) That's one thing, right. Okay. Walking around the Bay Area, California. eh, Yeah, I don't know. Would you rather have to eat only liver for the rest of your life or be forced to watch an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians every day? (laughs) I hate liver. I do. Do you say the rest of my life? Rest of your life. Okay, I hate liver. I'm still going to take the liver. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing how many people have that sentiment of like, I can't stand liver, but I'm going to go with that anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I just was flipping through the channels the other day or something, and I, I saw like, hey, Laurie, like, you know, we should maybe watch that. He goes, oh, yeah, that's a show that has Kim Kardashian in it. I'm like, yeah, nope, <laughs> out. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I, I don't watch that stuff. My daughter has in the past, uh, but I just, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, can't. I can't. Give me the liver. Yeah, I can't. I can't. So, would you rather go skydiving in a rainstorm or climb the antenna at the top of the Empire State Building on a windy day? <laughs> Both of them are making my hands sweat. I'm going to pick <laughs> I'd, the. Uh, I'd be I'm dead either the, way. I'm going to pick the skydiving because it's. Uh, I'll just go sit back and it's more. I think reactive than right. proactive. I don't. I don't have to climb. I'm taking the skydiving. I, I stumbled across uh, not too long ago a picture of two guys working on the antenna at the top of the Empire State Building, and it was taken from above them, so it's looking all the way down, and you can see how far down it is. I almost passed out just looking at the picture, so it's just like, I could never do that. Yeah, and you see those, uh, you see those guys having to do that for, like, uh, radio antennas? Yes! In the country, hundreds of feet up. Yep. Takes a special dude to be uh, climbing up there. I, I, I'd like to meet one and ask them, what are you afraid of? <laughs> Oh, do, you, do you not like spiders? Or? It's interesting because the last radio station I worked at, the uh, the chief engineer was also a stuntman, and he was you know did a lot of films. But he, I said, do you ever go up to the top of the antenna? He's like, oh yeah, I go up there all the time. It's just like I don't know how you do it, man. Yeah. But he's a stuntman. So did you man, know it? Did you know if he was afraid of something like spiders or snakes? Or, uh, uh, nothing ever came up, and I didn't yeah. ask him that specifically. I probably should have, but yeah, it's wild. Would you rather have whatever you are thinking appear in a bubble above your head for everyone to read or have absolutely everything you do be live streamed for everyone to watch? I think I like the uh, thought bubble being visible. I'm I don't have much of a filter to begin with, so uh, <laughs> I, there's, usually I say what I'm thinking anyway. So uh, okay, yeah. that's, then that's a safer bet. Absolutely, absolutely. So hey, thanks for doing this. I mean, this was this was fun. I got a question for you, Jim. Okay, uh, as it relates to music, uh, Dave or Sammy? Wow. Um... That's like my go-to question for just for that. As much as I appreciate both of them, I have to go with Dave. There's just so many classic Van Halen songs in there. It's I I have to. Yeah, I uh, I'm a, a Dave guy too. I love Sammy. Uh, and uh, another recommendation is 
if, if you have a chance to go see Sammy Hagar, yeah, <laughs> he still puts on a great show, whether it's with the circle, uh, whether it's uh, just him uh, solo with the chicken foot or what have you. Uh, yeah, no, he's an outstanding performer, and I love watching him. But just if, if I had to pick, I think I'd probably go with Dave. Yeah, some of those indelible moments as a as a kid, those uh, those early uh, Van Halen albums, and then seeing him like seeing him in 1984, right. it's like wow, I don't know if a concert gets better than that. Uh, just uh, so many great songs, and such a, a great stage presence for him and the others, and the, the production. Uh, and then Eddie Van Halen, he's, he's my guitar hero, right? So, uh, well, and it is my mission in life with this podcast to get Valerie Bertinelli on this podcast. I mean, that's just like, and I'm going to hammer her agents for forever, and they're going to get sick of me and probably send police to my door. But that just, she, my, she has been my crush since one day at a time. So, My wife and I uh, call Valerie our best friend. Uh, she has no idea who we are. Uh, but just sitting back and watching her cooking shows, oh, uh, yeah. which I don't think is on Food Ch- uh, Food Network anymore. But we would sit back there and like, you know what? We could be friends with Valerie Bertinelli. Yes. We could, we, she come over. Uh, we'll cook for you uh, this week. Next week, you can cook for us. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm all for it. Let, let me know how I can help get yeah. Val on the show. Cause, yeah, because uh, because she has that personality and you know it's uh, it's my mission in life whether i get there or not we'll see but we'll i'm never know. i'm gonna help you do it i'm, I'm sending out some tweets as soon as we get cool. off i love it well you've got to get on you the hydrant and talk to jim gotta do this and she's got a new cookbook coming out come on we'll hawk it for you <laughs> yes oh so, um but ken ray thank you for doing this uh, ray's got a new book coming out please keep an eye out for it me myself and my multiple myeloma and check out his other book, Immaculate, How the Steelers Saved Pittsburgh. And if you get a chance, go see the Chronic Padres. Yeah, if you're out in the Bay Area, <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll be at a town near you. We would love to play. Jim, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk oh. with you and, and with your audience. I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. You, you make me chuckle. And now I got to think of a bunch of uh, either or questions to <laughs> shoot out to you. There you um, go, Farnie. Uh, yeah. But thank you. This was great. And thank you for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time on The Hydrant. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on The Hydrant. The Hydrant announcer is Allison Steele. For outstanding VO coaching and voice acting services, visit Allison at allisonsteel.com. That's Allison with a Y and Steel with no E at the end. Shoot me an email with any comments, questions, worthwhile recipes at bigdog at jimcoopervo.com. This episode copyright 2024 by Jim Cooper VO and Nat Landcore Audio, which is solely responsible for its content. No reproduction by writing, recording, reposting, smoke signals, AI voice loading, Morse code, or any other electronic or manual recording method known to man is allowed without prior written consent. Come back and play with us next week as the steady stream of outstanding guests continue at the Hydrant.